Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Quarters, the storytelling show about the games we love. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined on my right, your left, by the illustrious, the intelligent, the insightful. <laughs> Who are you? Alexa Ray Korea. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hello. Sorry. I was like, that, you, you finishing my, my intro? It's a great intro. What's that? Your intro. Oh, really? That I, was very I, flattering. Just Thank you. stating the facts. Let's state the facts here. So uh, we you. are here at the old vintage centipede table. Uh, the, I love the it. I love it too. This is one of my favorite things. The whole wide world. I'm really bad at it. Um, <laughs> you any good at centipede? Um, no. No? I, nope. I, I love the game. Uh, 1980. Beautiful game. Like talk about it a lot. But this isn't about Centipede. That's not what we're discussing today. No, not today. But we're not here to talk about Centipede. We're here to talk about an entirely different game, a game that is dear and near to your heart, Alexa Ray. Do you think anybody's going to be surprised by what you're about to talk about here? No, not no. at all. Folks <laughs> know you. And by the way, where do folks know you from? I am currently at Fandom. I am the head of the Games Vertical. I am also part of What's Good Games. And I've just kind of been around on the internet for like a couple of years. A while there. Yeah, a you've while been around there. talking about stuff on the internet just a little bit, but the games... The games, the entertaining all the games. things, all the games, every last one of them. Been in games for six years. You also wrote a book. So I did write a book about the games I'm going to talk about. Indeed. We've recently had uh, another guest on uh, who just wrote a book for Boss Fight. I know, uh, Mr. Kohler. Yeah, Mr. Kohler, and he talked about Final Fantasy V. You also wrote a book for Boss Fight, and I you're going to talk about that one today. I am. All right, so that book was about, uh, what, what's, it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, oh, let's see, Im- Imperial... Imperial Lungs. No, it's, it's uh, Kingdom uh, Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. That's a really good synonym use right Imperial there. Imperial Lungs? That was really cool. I don't think that was a very good synonym. It's very kind. It was close, though. That was awesome. I mean, it's sort of in the same. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom which, Hearts. By the way, right, right away, why is it called Kingdom Hearts? Because you are fighting for a kingdom called Kingdom Hearts, although nobody in the series really knows what Kingdom Hearts is. Kingdom Hearts is a noun. It is okay. a noun. Um, but we don't know what it is yet, and we're like 10 games deep. And we still don't know. Still don't know. Okay, 10 games deep. 10 games this is deep. a long-running series. First Kingdom Hearts game was what year? 15 years ago, so 2000... Crap, 2002. 2002 for ye old platform... Uh, ye old PlayStation 2. Wow, okay. And uh, a kind of a fantastic, unique collaboration between two giants in the entertainment industry. Disney and Square Enix. So uh-huh. you had Disney characters and JRPG mechanics familiar to those of Final Fantasy. There were also Final Fantasy characters in it. That's right. Pointy-haired people. And uh, then Mickey Mouse. And then Mickey Mouse. Hanging How do you out. go wrong with that? I mean, there's a couple ways it's gone wrong. I mean, I admit that <laughs> I love Kingdom Hearts. I love it so much, but that series has its faults. Well, I, I, However, think, I think that's true most series. However, let's talk about the parts that are marvelous, and let's start with you, your relationship with this, and the fact that you decided to write a freaking book about it. I did. Not many people write books about games, especially about one individual game. Especially about Kingdom Hearts. There's but, no literature out there in Kingdom Hearts. The really? biggest, The thing that I heard the most from people who read my book was that there's not a lot of critical writing about Kingdom Hearts out there. Like, now, no critical writing. It's like, 10 worlds we want to see in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people were glad to see that. And it's helped a lot of them think about things a different way, too. Well, let's leap right in. You say critical writing about Kingdom Hearts. What's a critical observation that's made in the book? Uh, something that, that you feel like mm-hmm. you kind of got to got to dig in there and, and give us an idea of what, what makes this special, what makes it unique or meaty from a critical perspective. So my favorite thing to write about, and you guys can probably guess, um, I wrote about how the game really flubs its its romances. Mm-hmm. Um, if you played Kingdom Hearts, there's the main characters, one of the main characters, Sora, and a girl named Kyrie, and it's sort of insinuated throughout the whole series that he likes her, maybe she likes him, and maybe that relationship is what driving him forward. That is completely incorrect. 
In the first game, he is separated from his best friend, another boy named Riku, and they spend the next two games trying to find each other, and then the rest of the game sort of fighting together. And those those games are about uh, uh, intimacy between bros. It's about male friendship. It's about, or just same-sex friendship in general. It could have been two women and done mm-hmm. the same way, but it's about not being afraid to let let the people know that you love them um, and it's not awkward. So you like, feel like the romance element of it is is completely secondary to, to, to I can never say that word right. Ter- tertiary, tertiary, not even lower, 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 lower. lower. Than that. This mm-hmm. is a, this is about platonic friendship. It's about it's or about, about friendship in general. It's about the strength of friendship, and it's about the friendship between two dudes. Okay, yeah. radical. I uh, love it. <laughs> I, I, what, what makes you argue for that a little bit here? Give give us an example of why that's true. So there's a moment in Kingdom Hearts two, and I talk about this in the book. There's a moment in Kingdom Hearts two where. Uh, Sora and Kyrie and Riku, all three of them have been separated for about two and a half games now, and they haven't seen each other at all. And the last time Sora saw Riku, they were fighting each other because Riku was possessed by an evil spirit. As, as happens. Also, that's like the most reductive, I can explain that situation. You don't want me to go into using the proper nouns and everything else. It's too cuckoo. Um, so he sees Kyrie. He's reunited with Kyrie, and they hug. They see each other, and he's like, hey, Kyrie. And they hug each other, and she's like, this is real. We're hugging. And he gives her a hug, and they have a nice little moment. But uh, maybe like an hour later in gameplay time, an hour later, maybe less than an hour later, he's reunited with Riku. And he doesn't know it's Riku because Riku is still sort of possessed by this evil spirit. And I talk about this in another chapter where this sort of darkness is a, the, the darkness in Riku and Riku's struggle is a metaphor for, you know, mental health and struggling with depression and struggling with who you are and getting to where you feel like you need to be and sort of utilizing overcoming your weaknesses and utilizing your weaknesses to feel your strengths. Uh-huh. And that's a whole nother conversation. But he sees, he sees this person doesn't know it's Riku. Kyrie makes them hold hands and close their eyes. And she's like, Sora, this is Riku. And he suddenly feels his, the presence of his friend. Oh. He's with his friend and he grabs both of his, both grabs one hand in both of his hands falls to his knees and is weeping and is saying over and over and over, Riku's here, Riku, I'm getting teary thinking about it. Riku's here, Riku's here. I looked everywhere for you. And he just, the display of emotion at him finding Riku versus what he emotes when he finds the woman he supposedly loves, like, mm-hmm. get out of here. Okay, so it's- he was looking for his friend. Where does that fall in other literature for you? When you think about Sora and Riku, where, what are some analogies you draw from, from other places, uh, from entertainment, from books? So who, are, who are people you compare Ooh. them to? Uh, final, the cast of Final Fantasy XV. Okay. I wrote a similar article about them a couple of years back about how like there's no main female characters. And I don't give a flip because I think the way that they portray like the friendship between these four guys and the way that they very clearly love each other. Like if you have beaten... If you've beaten Final Fantasy 15, you see some really intimate, really tearful moments between these guys. I know a lot of people are like, not to be like, oh no, homo, but a lot of people are just like, oh no, it can't be like, I'm, it, it, it can't, it they have to be in love. It has to be like a secret, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sort of a toxic way of thinking because I have had a lot of male friends in my life talk about how they've sort of been brought up to feel to feel uncomfortable in emoting to their fellow Hmm. guy friends about how much they love them. Like they're taught to be tough because they're men and all of them are just like, like, you know what? I, I'm totally comfortable telling my best guy friend that I love him because I do. I love him. And in this game, these four dudes clearly love each other. And the way that Square Enix has portrayed their interactions and portrayed like the way that they grow together, I think is a really strong example of detoxifying 
that sort of relate that that sort of thinking. Why do you think they chose to to place that focus there? Why do you think that creative decision was made? Um, if you look at a lot of interviews with Tabata, Hajime Tabata, who's the director, shout out to my buddy TBT. Um, he says a lot about how he wanted this to be a game about friendship. Mm-hmm. And in a few interviews, he has said that putting a woman, making one of the four dudes a woman, would change the dynamic. Now, like, I am totally of the opinion men and women can be friends. We are all equals on this earth. But, like, when there's a gal in the mix, the dynamic does change. It does change. And it's not because bros can't be more bro-y or they have to be more sensitive or she, like, makes them uncomfortable. It's just a very different dynamic. And it has nothing to do with, with like, with, like, a, a, with you know, like gender or whatever, or like, I think it's like a physiological, physiological thing maybe, but the dynamic does, does change. And so you feel like this decision was made so that they could tell a story that, that, well, I'm putting words in your mouth here. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think that they made this decision because they wanted to very, excuse me, they wanted to very clearly portray a story of very, very, very intimate friendship. And in a lot of games that have a male and female lead in Mm -hmm. some way, there's always the like, well, are they going to hook up? Like, what's going on? Like, a lot of times gamers will insert that yeah. in there anyway. And I think they wanted to be like, no, this is the story we're very clearly trying to tell. Story about friends. A story about friends, which um, I think they did a great job with. I know a lot of people lambast Final Fantasy XV for its story. But by having sort of uh, the main female character, Luna, like pulled away from this group, mm-hmm. it, 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 it strengthens the relationship between between it's, it strengthens their romance the way that their romance is betrayed by having by not having them together on screen all the time doing everything together so you want you feel like the parts where they are together mean something very different because yes. they spend so much time oh apart. If, i don't want to spoil the game but absolutely well, let's uh let's take a step back for a second to what you said about the darkness uh the darkness inside. okay so let's the talk darkness. about that you talked about the analogy for mental illness uh we talk a lot on pockets full of soup about mental illness uh some of it because of the role it's played in my life some mm-hmm. of it and probably even more of it uh because many of our guests have chosen to share about it talk a little bit about this analogous uh role in, in kingdom hearts so i have to get a, a tad personal when i talk about this so this chapter and it's a whole chapter in my book and this idea um very very personal for me probably the hardest chapter in that book to write uh, so when I was when I was growing up, when I was like 12, 13, 14, um, I talked about this person on Pockets Full of Soup, my friend Christy Lynn. You can go listen to that episode. And she and I played Kingdom Hearts, played Kingdom Hearts together. And we like had our little Kingdom Hearts, like we both loved it. And she liked Riku. Riku was her favorite because he was dark and broody and whatever. <laughs> and she was like, oh, like, and when you're, you sort of take on this like persona when you play games as kids or when you you know, do, do things on the internet or we dress up or whatever. And like, like you do. And she was like, Oh, I'm Riku. And so I would always be Sora. And I sort of ended up being Sora because I was the person who was always like, I'm going to protect everyone. Like I, like I had her back. I was stronger. I protected her. I was always cheery. Always had that smile on my face. Even when I was feeling like trash, I had the smile on my face and I was pushing forward no matter what. And as I grew older and as I spent more time with these games, I realized like, and like, as I grew up, you know, we take on jobs, we take on responsibilities. I definitely have my fair share of anxiety issues that like, sometimes you just got to stop and deal with them. And I always beat myself up over them. And I would beat myself up for not being stronger. 
And Riku in the first Kingdom Hearts game says that he wants to, he wants to, there's more out there for him. He wants to go explore the world and he wants to be stronger and he beats himself up for not being stronger, which is why when the darkness comes and says, we'll give you the strength that you want, but you now are in league with the darkness. He says without, he doesn't even hesitate. Give me that strength. I will do what it takes. Mm. And in the long run, it, really kind of messes him up like he's possessed by this dark spirit that plagues him for the rest of his light the rest of his life and there's a moment in chain of memories where he's talking to to another character and he's he's um saying how he has this darkness in him and he doesn't trust himself because he doesn't know when it will flare up Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't know when to trust myself because i'd be pushing 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 going 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 and then i'd have like a break and like be really sad and really anxious and overwhelmed and then it would take me some time to climb back from that and i would beat myself up the whole time like you should be stronger you shouldn't be you know you shouldn't be anxious like you should be totally okay all of the time and that just made the whole cycle worse Hmm. and that's yeah what do you think about the analogy Uh, there's an analogy of possession there you mentioned um does for you, does mental illness sometimes feel like something that's coming from outside yourself or, or a different aspect? What, what is that like? Well, I sort of think of it as like triggers, I guess. Like I'll be pushing, pushing, pushing one minute and then maybe one thing will happen. Like someone will will either make, make a comment that like brings me down or I'll learn something sad or I'll learn that something I worked really hard to do failed or something like that. And it's just once you're in that spiral of like energy, 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 pushing, 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 yeah. it's like, ugh, and then nothing feels like it's worth it. And it's just like, forget it. And then you just go right back down to the bottom. Yeah. I, I don't want to speak for others, but but there are times, obviously, there's there's not some external being, some external force at work. But yeah. for me, it often feels like there is. There's like, here's my will. Here's what I want to happen. Yeah. And something inside me just vies against that. Yeah. That feels alien to my own. Yeah, it's conscious like desire. Yeah, it's you get it's you getting in your head, um, which is why I guess I was getting in my head, which is why I realized like I am like Riku. I have this thing in my head and I can't get out of it, and I don't know when it's gonna happen. But I try so hard, and I feel like I should be be you know I feel like I should be succeeding all the time because I'm trying so hard. And a character says says to Riku when Riku's like I'm filled with this darkness, I can't trust myself. And I have a tendency when I get super anxious to withdraw from everyone because it's not your problem. I'm going to go deal with this in the corner. And Riku has actually pulled him. Sora's looking for him. And Riku runs away from him and hides from him because he doesn't want his friend to see him the way he is. And this character says to him, um, I'm paraphrasing, but they say, you know, uh, darkness cannot consume you and light cannot destroy you. You have the power of both. And using both, you will become strong. You will get that strength. And so he learns to roll with his punches and harness it as like a springboard to become stronger. And he still struggles with it throughout all of the games. But in the last game, and he's the, he's the only character struggling with this darkness. He's the only person who has, has this duality and has this, like this struggle. And in the very, very, very last game or the the game, the last game that came out, um, they take a test him and he and Sora take a keyblade mastery test and it's the whole game you're playing as them. Yeah. And Sora, and like the, I'm spoiling this. I'm really sorry. And in the last moments of the game, like the big bad guy sabotages it, sabotages the test, yeah. puts all these doubts in Sora's head and Sora fails, like fails 
hard and like falls into darkness and just goes catatonic and Riku is all who's left and Riku's like well I gotta save my friend and using his knowledge of how to handle the situation and how to use the darkness basically he saves his friend and he passes the exam because the person the the wizard Yen Sid from Fantasia who's administering this exam because it's a Disney game uh says like you used your weakness as 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 your strength and you are not broken you are just complex <laughs> and riku realizes that like feeling that darkness you know feeling bad and anxious it's okay because what you learn from that period only makes you stronger in the long run and i was like fuck i'm riku like i am riku like this is what i'm dealing with wow. so i wrote a whole chapter about that yeah I, because I, it's wow. it's such a complex lesson that i don't think a lot of people think about it because you play you play the first Kingdom Hearts. Can I swear? Is that okay? Of course. I, you play the first Kingdom Hearts and you're like, Riku was such a little shit. Like, he's so selfish. He just wants to be strong and powerful. And he screws everything up in the process. N no, he's... We are all flawed like Riku. It's just the manner of where our darkness comes from, whether it's depression and addiction, maybe you getting in your own head like me. Um, and it's how you learn and it, you have to take care of yourself in those moments. And it's, the, and it's what you learn in that stretch coming out of it. Even if it's even if it's coming back, even if you know it's going to come back again, you'll just keep getting stronger afterwards. Uh, did this first dawn on you the very first time you played it? No. No, 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 no. No. Okay, so this was a critical analysis that came later. This came later when I was an adult. Um, when I, I think I was playing Kingdom Hearts or Kingdom Hearts Two or something for. No, it was when I was playing the last game. I played Dream Drop Distance, um, and I didn't like it. And then a couple years back, I went back to it. That's the last game in the series. Yeah. And as I was playing that final stretch where Riku saves Sora, it like hit me like a sack of bricks and I was like I'm not Sora I'm Riku and this struggle holy crap like I had this like crazy 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 realization and yeah <laughs> video games are strange it's it's the only medium beyond maybe outside of books or, or radio where we I think deeply imprint ourselves in turn or inherently in the experience oh yeah when you're reading a book it's happening in your head so at some point it gets in your mind mm -hmm. and radio operates in a kind of a similar way or, or podcasts but a video game you're actually interacting the entire time you're making the story happen so you're 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 inserted you mm -hmm. are kind of your own avatar uh to, to some degree it, the the lines do blur uh -huh. so when this lesson happened for you um, oh tears uh yeah, yeah so you, many tears you're them they're you you're learning a lesson could that have worked another i mean you didn't see it when you first went through you saw it when you can. Does it make you wonder what's going to happen twenty years from now? Oh yeah, hundred percent. When you play something else. When I when I play something else that I think I know that I think I know, and then go back to it. It's like uh, another game that I really like, Final Fantasy IX. Mm -hmm. There's a character who has a uh, VV. He's he was made and he has a finite lifespan, and he learns very early on in the game that he was born to die basically, mm -hmm. and he has this moment of like. Why is this even worth it? Mm -hmm. And this whole stretch of the game, you're dealing with this character who's just like, everything is futile. I shouldn't do anything. And then by the end of the game, he learns to make the most of the time he has. And when I first played Final Fantasy IX, I was like, aw. And then when I played it again 15 years later, I was like, fuck. It's so like, as you get older and you learn these lessons, I think these games that we play as kids that seem like kids games, you go back, <laughs> you go back and you well, look at them and it's like, oh my God. Well, they, they are kids games. They're just not exclusively no. kids games. I, mean, that's a, I, I, I think that's, you know, again, A.A. Mill and Winnie the Pooh is one of my favorite examples of this. Those novels, you read them as a child, 
and they're profound and beautiful. And then you read them as an adult and you just want to die. Yeah. Um, or like when you watch Thomas the Tank Engine as an adult, that shit is dark. I have never thought about this. Expound. This is this is a this is a whole nother podcast talking about Tom. Me, um, I have gone down the Thomas the Tank Engine like adult theory rabbit hole, and it's just sad and awful. They brick a train into a tunnel forever because he doesn't want to move. Train cars get like pulled apart. Like it's like it's so dark and awful. I didn't know this at all. We'll talk. I, we'll I, talk about Thomas the Tank Engine I, another I day. Mean, but it is you're, you're talking about you're talking about the the ravages of of clinical depression anxiety mental illness you're, you're talking about the value of friendship between two two people mm-hmm. that and, and that being at the, at the heart of everything that's happening kind of deep stuff for a game about donald duck yeah donald duck who donald duck who won't heal you goofy running around like king mickey is like the king of the universe why it's won't crazy. donald duck heal you there's a long standing, I don't know if it's Donald's AI, and I don't know if the developers do this on purpose now because we've made fun of it so much, but the Kingdom Hearts community, within the community, it is very well known that Donald will, Donald's the, he's the mage. Yeah. So he can heal you. He never heals you when you need it. <laughs> Even if you set him up to like, to like always auto heal, he will not auto heal you when you need it. He will never, never heal you. I love the idea that, that uh, artificially intelligent Donald Duck is just as contrary as He's a dick. Donald Duck. I love Donald Duck for, for many reasons. <laughs> I love him most of all because my father would curse like Donald Duck to amuse me growing up. Oh, my God. Um, he, would, he would say, my father was not especially profane around me most of the time, but he would sometimes do his Donald Duck voice, and then he would say things he would never say otherwise. Just the, the, the most... The most marvelous profanities in oh Donald Duck. And, you know, nine-year-old me just laying there on my side laughing till I thought I'd hurt myself. It's beautiful. Um, but I love that Donald Duck is, he's just obnoxious enough. Yeah, he's contrary. He kind of deserves it. <laughs> but then he'll find himself in these just awful situations. He's not like Daffy Duck where he's a complete jerk. Daffy Duck's just asking for yes. it. Yes. Donald Duck's just a little mean spirit, a little self-centered most of the time. But then he'll find himself in situations where you cannot help but feel sorry for him. That thing where the sink is dripping. Yeah. Is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Do you watch the new DuckTales? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Poor dude. The oh, houseboat yeah. and the generators and, like, the thing. I just can't. The poor guy. And yet. Looking for a job. At the same time, contrary. Yeah. Frustrated. Yeah, I like the new DuckTales a lot. Do you like it? I love it. Yeah, I, really I love it. it. I really enjoy it a lot. I like cartoons. It's DuckTales. Steven Universe Forever. Woohoo. I love um, cartoons. It's so good. The cartoons are the best. Let's do oh. a show about cartoons. We have to do a Tolkien show and a cartoon show. Yeah, we're going to do ho- That's to- on the oh, docket. Yeah, there's going to be a Tolkien show. That's that's just got to happen. Cartoon show sounds move. Oh, I, let's do a cartoon show. Anyway, back to what about the Disney element of it for a second? Uh, like, <laughs> what, what is that? So a lot of the themes you're talking about here. Square games, I don't think, I think sometimes in some ways square games get, get a, a, the way people talk about them critically kind of skews away from the places where they do engage emotionally with with actual gravity because mm-hmm. that does happen yes. in in a lot of their products yes and i think at times because because they kind of defined a lot of the tropes we tend to focus more on the yes. tropes than the gravity um maybe i'm being unfair i don't know if you agree no or no not, no i completely agree this of all square stuff i kind of feel like kingdom hearts is the place where they do get most raw and and kind of beautifully entropic around their emotional yes. uh, treatment. Can yes. you talk about that a little bit? So there's actually a really good moment um, that actually uses Square Enix characters in Kingdom Hearts 2. There's a battle of a thousand heartless where a thousand heartless come to the city where the Final Fantasy characters are living. Yeah. And Sora and friends have to fight them. And fighting alongside you is Cloud Strife and his friend Tifa and Yuffie and Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. 
and you're all fighting the Heartless together and you go out into the fray with Squall and because I guess he has nothing better to do, Sephiroth is also there for some reason. <laughs> and he shows she's, up. But but but, uh, but no Aerith. No, she's there. Oh, is she showing up? Okay. Yeah, she she's is there. The scene I forgot. Okay, sorry, she, sorry. She, she's not in this scene, but like Sephiroth shows up and I'm like paraphrasing the scene because it's really, really complicated. But Sephiroth shows up and is like, you can't fight your darkness because Cloud and Sephiroth have this never ending struggle between yeah. like, who am I? And between like between whiny and evil. Between whiny and evil. So Cloud is like, okay, I'm gonna fight Sephiroth. And Sora shows up and is like, yo, like you're. Why are you? There's a thousand heartless descending on the city. Why are you dealing with this clown? And so they're fighting, and Cloud is having his like emo Advent children yeah. emotions because this this whole scene and the Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts Two are based on their Advent children appearances. Okay. So Advent Children Cloud and Sephiroth Ghost Advent Children Ghost Man are fighting. And then Cloud's like, I'm going to give up. This sucks. And then Tifa appears out of nowhere and is like, is basically, basically emotionally kicks his butt and is yeah. like, you can do this. Like, you can't give up. And it's just like, you're such a whiny little whatever. Like, you have to face your demons, man. <laughs> I've been, you know, hitting on you for years and you can't notice because you're wrapped up in your own shit. <laughs> And so she basically like kind of chews him out. I never Tifa saw in Cloud. I, I just don't get it. I don't either. He's no. not. He's not for me. Um, but it's a moment that they have in Advent Children where Cloud's like, "I got to face my past yeah. finally," um, and that moment is distilled and put into like a segment of um, Kingdom Hearts two. And I'm just like, "All right, there it is. Like, there's there's the the Square Enix. Like, yeah. that's where it is. So that's like the tropiest moment. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of that game is just like." I it doesn't like I wouldn't know it was made by Square Enix unless I knew it right. was like if you handed this to someone who didn't know who'd never seen Kingdom Hearts before ever I doubt that they would guess it was from Square because oh. the narrative the, the the narrative is cuckoo bananas number one it's always been absolutely crazy because mm-hmm. Nomura builds it as he goes yeah um cobbles it together and um it's just some of the stuff it touches on is really really dark and like in the trailers for Kingdom Hearts three a lot of the talk is like will you use the darkness will you come to the darkness and it's like the darkness is a dark power but it's not necessarily like in kingdom hearts darkness as we've learned doesn't always necessarily mean evil it's just darkness so when they say will you use the darkness it's like well what what do i get like like what i get out of using the darkness is up to me yeah so how do you think that how do you think they got disney on board with that um I know the story. They met in an elevator and like many, many moons ago and they decided they wanted to collaborate because Disney Interactive and Square Enix Japan used to be in the same building. Yeah. And they decided they wanted to do a project together and they made a Kingdom Hearts. And I don't know if they plan to do a bajillion million games, like a franchise <laughs> thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney, if did Disney. Did, I just said Disney. Disney. Did would, they or didn't they? I went Disney. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh, you made a joke. I made um, humor. <laughs> but I don't know if they were like make a make a bazillion year franchise or make one game. Yeah. But the first Kingdom Hearts had some dark stuff in it. Like uh, Riku is being puppeted, also being puppeted by Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, yeah. who is just plain evil. And is like, I want everything. I, I love the darkness. Let's bring it all over. And so she's sort of puppeting him. And it's very like Disney tropey. But then she does some things that are like, oh, this would never happen in a Disney movie. Like she is a cold bee. Well, I mean, Maleficent <laughs> of all the Disney uh, villains. She's just pure um, evil. She's yeah, pure she, evil. She really is. I mean, I remember watching Sleeping Beauty in the theater when they re-released it. And 
and Maleficent's, you know, the last words Maleficent ever speaks in a movie are, and now you shall deal with me, young prince, and yeah. all the powers of hell, and turns into a giant, a giant dragon. dragon. And just like, well, okay, there's just no mistaking that you're real mean. Yeah. I mean, that she, she is, along with Cruella de Vil, probably the most purely evil creature in, in, yeah. that, in the Disneyverse. Abusing and, animals 100%. Yeah, really, really terrible, those right. two, uh, side by side. But Maleficent is, there's not a lot of pure evil Disney villains. And it's no. Interesting to see. Um, well, I mean, I guess you could... There's a few. I don't know if I would characterize Ursula as pure evil. She kind of just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, she's jealous. She's like mad. Like her brother. So I didn't. So this isn't canon in the movies, but it's canon in the in the in the stage musical for The Little Mermaid. Triton and Ursula are siblings, and Ursula is jealous of his like super happy life. So she like screws with his kid. Like I can understand that motivation. Well, jealousy is. I mean, I want to be clear when I said not evil. I I guess I mean like jealousy is not evil. Saronic evil. Oh yeah, it's like Maleficent and Cruella Deville. I think the, yeah, the root of evil is probably now we're getting theological. And then Hades absorption. Yeah, and then Hades is just kind of like, ah, like ah, I don't know what his. I don't even think he's evil. I think he's just, I don't know, like. Greek mythology wasn't really evil. He was just again kind of kind of looking out for number one. Yeah, lo- looking out for number one. I'm thinking of all the villains you see in Kingdom Hearts. Although I, I say that, but then he kidnapped Persephone too. So I mean, he did. That's not that's not real nice. Yeah, no, that's pretty, but that's not evil. Terrible. That's like you being a dick. Well, it's kind of evil. You can, <laughs> if you kidnap someone and make them live with you six months out of the year, I think that's, that's forget kind of evil. That's pure evil. That's oh, boy. Um, yeah. And then they have like <laughs> Tron in there, like the super, the, 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 the Rinsler. So, okay, let's talk. <laughs> we haven't touched on this really. Cat Pirates of the Caribbean is in there too. <laughs> it is kind of a, it is a melange. It is a portage of Square Enix and Disney imagery. If like, if you'd have told me in... 1995 that there was going to be a square enix rpg series full of disney characters that was going to run 10 games and it was going to be like effectively the marvel versus capcom 3 of rpgs pretty much how i would not believe you i would not believe that to be possible one because marvel versus capcom 3 hadn't been made by 95 (laughs) and second because uh because it would seem like this kind of you'd figure that'd be like a licensing nightmare how did this like how did this giant, convoluted yet oddly poetic thing come to be? I don't. I wish I knew whose idea it was to make this a franchise. But like, so Disney Interactive owns the rights to Kingdom Hearts. So Square can't do anything with Kingdom Hearts unless Disney okay's it. Right. And if you were watching the D23 presentation this year, they talk about how they visited Pixar because Toy Story's in it, mm-hmm. about how they visited they visited Pixar and it was like this big, I mean, it's been like the games have been in development for like four years. Like they've been working. Disney has been making sure that everything is like tight. Yeah. And I think the reason that this collaboration works and continues to work is this. So Disney stories, the motto of Disney stories is if you believe in something, you can make it true and pure goodness. Like if you are purely, if you're good or even not if you're purely good, if you're good and your intentions are good, good will win the day like evil like people that are like nasty mean jerks like don't they don't they may get the last laugh but then you can totally kill them after the last laugh and then you're done you like you won the day and i think that that whole idea of like being pure good and winning the day i mean makes a good i mean we, we want a lot of square enix is uh, like the final fantasy series is very complex yeah. and a lot of the characters are complex and no one is like pure good pure evil and they go through these things and i think that taking that premise and having this character who's just totally pure good and then having everyone around him dealing with all this crap like i feel like 
I feel like, and I write this in the book, I feel like this, the series is Sora is our vessel for seeing the story, but we're not watching his story. We're okay. watching everyone else's story, but okay. he's the vessel. He's the connecting thread. Um, and I think this works because that simple idea was able to, it works in every Disney movie. Yeah. If you want something, you can get it. And the idea of all of these like bad characters, the dark characters, well, the bad characters going after Kingdom Hearts and the good characters also going after Kingdom Hearts and neither one of them knowing what Kingdom Hearts is. <laughs> we still don't know. Like it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a kingdom. It's a moon. I don't know what it is. What do you think Kingdom Hearts is? It's well, it's power. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But whether or not that power like the bad people think Kingdom Hearts is dark power. The good people think Kingdom Hearts is made of light mm -hmm. um, and nobody knows. We haven't really figured that out yet. Uh, Sora says Kingdom Hearts is light. Uh, Zem. Uh, Xehanort, the big bad of the series, thinks that Kingdom Hearts is a darkness. And I think the power is whatever it is based on who wields it. Okay. So it's this so you idea. I think it's subjective. I, th I think it's subjective. And I think the idea of this thing of power that is influenced by the person wielding it, which we see in a lot of Disney movies, look yeah. at the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's like these mystical artifacts, whoever uses it can either use it for good or use it for evil. Yeah. Or you look at like Tron or you look at literally every Disney movie. Um, with you know these these villains that either have these artifacts like Ursula has her shell. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in the Lion King that I can think of. I think it's just I'm being a lion. I guess <laughs> I guess is, is your power. Is your power being a lion? That's a pretty good power. Yeah, being being a lion or like uh, you know in Beauty and the Beast we have all of these mystical objects yeah. and Aladdin you have the lamp with the genie you have an actual human or like like you have a a, a being with will or who doesn't have free will. They're doing very stuff talismanic for you. stories. Yeah, they're all talismanic stories. Even if you look at um, recent ones, Brave. There's okay. that like the witch makes that potion and it's all about that. No, that it is that is very much a Disney trope. Yeah, I mean, and then it, Frozen, the tal the talisman is Elsa's power. Yeah, um, it's all it's entangled. It's is uh, is Rapunzel's power. It's all a thing that has this power, and how you use it determines what kind of person you are. So the two fit together very well, and now we're finally, finally, finally getting that that big sequel. Uh, <sighs> you have high hopes? Yeah, I mean it's been in development forever. Mm -hmm. um, I was. God, I'm, da I'm dating myself really hard now. I was 14 when the first Kingdom Hearts game came out. I'm going to be 30 when this game comes out. How do you feel about that? I feel gross. Really? But like, <laughs> I feel like, because people always look at me and they're like, part of what inspired me to write about this game is people look at me and they go, Kingdom Hearts is a kid's game. And I'm like, no, because just because it has Disney characters on the cover and you fight with Goofy doesn't mean it's a kid's game. Um, I have a lot of high hopes for it. I really hope it, 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 it continues the really strong messages. I hope it wraps up a lot of these storylines. I hope we get... I hope we see some sort of va variation in Sora because up to this point, he's just been one speed, which is I'm pure good all the time. Okay. But in the trailers, we see one of our big bads say to him, yeah. will, will you finally use the dark call upon the darkness? Mm. So is Sora finally going to admit that he's not perfect? Do you think the game will grow up with you? I mean, the games have always had mature themes. You I pointed so. that out. Um, do you feel like this is going to evolve with you? Um, when, when you I mentioned Dream Drop Distance ends on a very surprising note, it um, it does, and I think it I think it will I think it will it will grow up with me. Um, like I feel like Tetsuya Nomura, the mastermind behind yeah. Kingdom Hearts, I feel like he has also grown up with us. Like you can see it, see it in the complexity. And like the darkness and like the themes that sort of get introduced in each story, like towards the end, some of the final games, like big important people are getting killed, yeah. or sorry, the Kingdom Hearts equivalent of killed, whereas their body, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that yeah, was yeah. beautiful. Which I is literally that. their body. Their body turns into sparkles, and then the armor that they wore gets haunted and left behind. Okay, which is dying. That's kind of a creepy, creepier way to die. Somehow. Oh, there's yeah. like Kingdom Hearts has time travel, body snatching, but like body snatching and, and in possession, ghosts, like. That game is cook. Those games are cuckoo bananas weird. There's multiple dimensions, like multiple dimensional theory, space travel. Like I can't. It sounds like I just the DC can't. Universe right around 1984. Uh, it's kind of kind of kind of pre-crisis DC Universe. I. Oh yeah. I, I want to ask you one more thing. Okay. This is a complete, not a complete tangent, but you've mentioned Tron twice. Tron's in the game. Yeah. Why 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 does Tron jump out at you? I'm just I I have very complex feelings about Tron. Um. So I'm curious. <laughs> what do you, why why. Why has Tron come up for you a couple of times? So Tron, the the Tron world, the yeah. Tron world, the space paranoids was introduced in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. And all of us went, what the hell? Like, I had never seen Tron ah. up to that point. And I'm like, what the hell is Tron? So I'm playing this game with my two little brothers. My four-year-old brother is like, Tron? So we rent Tron from okay. the old Blockbuster because it was 2002. And we watched it and we were like, wow. And Tron stood out for me because in Kingdom Hearts 2, they incorporated two live action worlds, Tron and Pirates of the Caribbean with freaking video game Johnny Depp and Kiara Knightley and Orlando Bloom <laughs> and Joffrey Rush. And it yep. was very strange. And we were like, seeing Sora next to Johnny Depp was very confusing yeah, and I that, didn't like it. That would do something to your head, I imagine. Yeah, but, but Tron was in this game and I was like, why is Tron in this game because Disney like for Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories they had the same set of worlds and I'm assuming that the worlds they used were based on popularity so when they announced Kingdom Hearts 2 they had a world from the Lion King they had Mulan and it's like these are the these are like the most popular Disney films so these are the films that we're going to be in because Disney obviously wants the more popular films I was like why the hell is Tron here and then like six months later they announced there was going to be a sequel to Tron And I was Sorry. like, oh, uh, you sneaky, 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 sneaky. I do like the deep cut stuff. I love the yeah. fact that the Disneyverse in general is, is is so full of deep cuts. There's so much mythology there. The company having been around for, you know, we're, we're approaching a century mm-hmm. of Disney. We are. And that's extraordinary. It gives you a lot to draw from. It makes you oh, feel yeah. ancient beyond beyond imagination. But I, I do think that they've made some interesting. Thank you for this. I, I no. Before we go on, I do want to thank our Patreon producer, uh, Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes this show possible, and everybody who does this on, and how supports us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Jared Petty. If you'd like to do that, we'd appreciate it. But in addition to my little pitch thing. Where you I want me to pitch? I, I'd really like to know what you're up to. So you wrote a book. I wrote a book. Where buy your book? Um, my book is just called Kingdom Hearts 2. It's a boss fight book. You can buy it from bossfightbooks.com. Um, and it's there. Or uh, you can go to Amazon. And if you type Kingdom Hearts 2 book into the search, my thing is the only thing that shows up. Oh, or you or you can type my name into search and it shows up. And there's a physical version and a digital version. And if you're wondering, I benefit from you buying both. So don't be picky. <laughs> okay. Either way. Yeah. Either way. You get, excellent. That's marvelous. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, buy that book because uh, it's good. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I, uh, a lot of heart went into it. Yep. A lot. A lot of heart because it's Kingdom Hearts. Get it? Oh my god. Uh. Wow. Okay. Don't buy the book. Never mind. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Where can folks thank see you. your work? So you you can uh you can check out uh What's Good Games. I am on a podcast with some very amazing lady friends of mine. Um I'm writing on fandom and I'm just generally on Twitter at Alexa Reese talking about husbandos and Kingdom Hearts and like 
posting pictures of the food I eat, okay, which all, is cool. All wonderful things to talk about, <laughs> definitely. Alexa, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I want to thank our Patreon producers, Robert Nieder, Austin Riley, Top Shelf Gaming, and also Robbie Suave, who wrote the theme music for this episode. Thanks. <laughs>